Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Last week, we, were, we, speak, we spoke about what is love. For you who are not here, you missed it. It's like, you could go on, I think, on the podcast. It, I think it's there now. Um, but God gave me a message titled, What is Love? He literally woke me up that morning singing, What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. And I, so some people are like, what? And, but, but let me finish. He said, that is not love. Because if you have to beg people to love you, if you have to beg people not to hurt you, if you have to beg someone to be faithful to you, it's not love. Because that's not what it is. Love is faithful. Love is kind. Love is good. You know, and, and today... The Lord, like literally, I was I didn't have a message again, but I he's teaching me something. He's just like be just release at the moment. But he spoke to me as I was getting out of the shower and he goes, What is revival? And he led me, he goes back, go back. Like I this folder is really old, right? I got this folder when I was in Bible college back in 2007. So that's like almost almost 15 years ago. Jesus, I'm getting old fast. And we had to write a paper on what is revival, and God gave me a message. I wrote it, and I put it away. Back then, the Lord told me, save everything from Bible college because the day will come when you'll be teaching, and you'll be preaching everything you were learning back then. It's been in my closet for 15 years, and the Lord's go today. I'm like, okay, I'm going to grab it. I brought the whole folder because okay? I didn't have a chance to go through it. And the Lord um, was speaking to me. And the title of the message is, What is Revival? And I bet all of you have heard what's revival. If you were born and raised in the church, you know. I will, I'll say, I'm going to switch it. You think you know what revival is. But it's not what you've been told. And I'm, I just come to mess up that system a little bit. Because, if you see, what God creates is eternal. God doesn't create movements. I don't believe in these movements that started for two weeks, lasted a year, and then they're dead, and there's no fruit from it. I believe in something that goes on and on and on forever. So a lot of people think, you know, in the uh, charismatic world, we know revival as a series of events that are happening that uh, mani have manifestations, have signs, wonders, miracles, speaking in tongues, sha ba ba ba. I speak in tongues, so I'm not making fun of it. But it goes beyond that because sometimes as, as, as believers, we got into a place that we are following the signs. We don't follow signs. The Word of God says that the, these signs shall follow. The signs follow you. Where you go, there's signs, wonders, and miracles. Where you go, there's manifestations of the glory of God. For no longer you live, but Christ lives in you. Sometimes we're like, oh, we want revival. We hear of this preacher and we all gather there and everybody's like oh if the preacher would touch me if the preacher would speak a word no what if Jesus would touch you what if Jesus was to speak a word over you that is when your life will be transformed but a lot of throughout generations it's, it's become a thing where we'll criticize the Catholics for having the Pope we'll criticize the Muslims for having their idols but we will not look at ourselves and say oh we have idols we need to repent because some, God has given us prophets, but it's not to idolize. Obedience is greater than sacrifice. 
God raises up prophets. You know when God raises up prophets? When the people are disobedient. When the people are ignoring what God is saying. But if the children are listening to the voice of the Father, if you hear the voice of God and you're moving by the voice of God, do you need a prophet? They'll come to just confirm what's already been in you. But for people that are being rebellious, then God raises up a prophet like, wake up. Wake up, you stubborn people. The Bible says it. Calls them stubborn. Calls, calls them faces, faces like rocks. Hard-headed people. But that's for the people that are just wanting, wanting to do what they want to do. But the people that are listening to the voice of Father, you're just like, whoa, I hear God. And you just, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow, and the voice of a stranger, they do not follow. See, there's something that's different about revival. In the human, so I, I always explain it for, for you new visitors. I always explain the in the physical realm. That's how I literally see, even when I do my art. I always draw a line. I'm like, this is what's happening in the spirit. And this is what's happening in the physical. And uh, it's almost like a, when you go to a pool, you go to a, uh, a pool or an ocean, right? Or a lake. And you can kind of see the reflection of the scenery. But it's like upside down. Or if your friend is standing on the other side of the pool, if you look at the reflection, they're standing upside down. You know? And that's, the, the reflection is earth. You right here, right now, for me, you're, this is just the reflection of who you really are in the eternal world. But the reflections all um, kind of distorted, you know? And even uh, um, in the First Corinthians chapter 13, it says, and now you, we look through a foggy mirror, right? Now we all look through a foggy mirror, but one day we will know just as we are known. See, you already known. That's why when you go to God, you go, oh, God, I got this issue. God's talking to you about of the multitudes. God's talking to you about the ministry, but you're going to God about your issues. And he never gets to talk to you about your issues. Oh, God, I have this issue. I got this struggle. And God's like, oh, you're my prophet, and I shall take you upon the nations. And you're like, who are you talking to? Because I'm not, like, it doesn't even, I struggled with this for many years. Because I used to go to church, and I will go home breaking my head. Like, I don't understand. If I'm telling you my sins, my issues, my struggles, and you're talking about the multitudes and the people and the nations, and not once did you mention my sin. See, because God's not talking to you down here. God's talking to you up here. God's talking to you in the spirit. You see, you look in the mirror, you see a broken self. But when God looks at you, he sees you hold and restore. He sees a holy nation. He sees a minister. He sees a prophet. He sees a pastor. He sees a king. He sees a queen. But we're looking through the mirror. But God is not looking through no mirror. You know, if you look at Psalm 139, he explains the same scenario. He says, day and night are the same to you. Darkness and light are the same to you. Why is it that darkness and day Darkness and light are the same to God, and night and day are the same to God. But we're here because there's a separation. In God, there's always day. If you read at the end of the scripture, there's never going to be night. In the spirit realm, there is no night. In the spirit realm, there is no darkness. So it's just us in this little cage where we experience day and night, light and darkness. We, we experience brokenness and pain, but not in the eternal realm. So what you do is you identify yourself in the kingdom. And then you start declaring the things on earth as in heaven. You bring it down. And that's why you see a person that's sick and you're able to lay hands on them and declare life. That's why you could go to a prison and set a, set a captive free. And even though they're bound in chains and they never come out of that prison, they will be free forever even in the prison. 
Because the prison God's talking about is not a physical prison, but it's the prison of sin and death. The disease God's talking about is not even a physical disease. He's speaking about the disease of the heart, like depression and anxiety, that he could set you free. He could set you free from suicide. You could be surrounded by the same group of people and still be free. Just like you could be with the same group of people, be completely surrounded and still be completely alone. Because there's a spiritual condition. And when you're able to look in the spirit room, you go, away. this is beautiful. That's why the very shame you carry, the testimony you don't want to tell nobody, when you give it to God, becomes a story of glory. And it becomes the same story. I was abused. I was molested. I was in the clubs. I was drugged. I thought I was, had HIV. That same story, now years later, is a story of power that manifests the glory of God. Because it encourages people to know that God is alive, that God is still healing, that God is still restoring, that God is still doing what he said he was doing from the very beginning. And what God did with Abraham back then, God is doing with this Abraham now. That's how God is, and that's how God moves. And that's revival. Revival is not a series or evangelistical service or religious awakening that happens in a church. Revival is an awakening that happens to the church. It has to happen to you first. Whatever you're expecting for God to do through you, God is going to do to you first. You want to see people healed? God's going to heal you first. You want to see people get delivered? God's going to deliver you first. God wants to break bondages through you? God's going to do it to you. You're going to experience, because you are a living testimony. You're not going to preach of something you don't know. You're going to preach something that you lived. Because experience is everything. A lot of people say only scripture. If you only have scripture, but you have no experience... How can you preach of a God that heals that you've never experienced a miracle in your life? How can you preach about speaking in tongues and you never spoke them? How can you preach about evangelizing but you've never evangelized? And we have a lot of preachers in the Christian world that are getting up preaching this type of things and they've never done it. Never done it. And that's a dangerous place to be. You know why? Because people know. Oh, well, people don't want to come to my church. I wonder why. I wonder why. Because when people encounter real, something happens in their being. They're like, I've had people this week tell me, I know what you're preaching is real. How? There's power behind it. There's something, there's a conviction in the heart. You, we don't have to brainwash people. We don't have to make people feel guilty and tell people how horrible they are to come to church. Tell them how God healed you. Tell them how God manifested his glory on you. Tell them how God changed your identity, how you used to be this, but now you're this. See, a lot of us are afraid to talk about the past. You need to talk about it. Because they're going to be like, no, you're not. You know how many people, you were depressed, you were suicidal. No, look at you. I was like, you see, you can't appreciate the glory I give until you don't understand the story that I have. You have, I wish I could put you in a time capsule and then we go back in time. You're going to be like, oh my God, he was a hot mess. I know I'm not lying about it. I ain't lying about it. I promise God I was never going to lie about it. Because I was lying. I wanted people to like me. And nobody liked me. But when I decided that he loved me, and that it didn't matter what people thought about me, that I was going to be a witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I decided that I was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is salvation for whosoever believes, you're free. And guess what? He only saves sinners. 
You couldn't be holy and get saved. You couldn't be healed and be healed. We were sick. We were broken. He doesn't set the free free. He says the captives free. So any, I don't, I don't care. It could be Benny Hinn. It could be the biggest names out there. Hot mess, hot mess, hot mess. That got saved and now has a message. God just adds his mess, his, his glory to your mess and makes a message out of it. So anybody you see out there that's powerful, they don't deserve glory. God deserves glory. Those people want you to give God glory, but we are ignorant that we start praising man. That happened to poor old Moses, poor Moses, poor Mary. If you look throughout generations, people start worshiping the worshipers. Be careful. Don't worship the worshipers. Mary was a woman of God. Moses is a man of God that they're before the glory of God. But what a problem. Woe unto us if we start worshiping the worshipers. The trees are worshiping him. The cows are worshiping him. The stars are worshiping him. Why are you worshiping trees and cows and stars? Why are you worshiping man? Why are you trying to be like man if that man is trying to be like Jesus? Then just look up to the hills like they're doing. They're looking up to the hills because they know that's where their hope comes from. So stop looking at man and look up that way. They're not leading you to them. I'm not leading you to me. I'm leading you to him. I'm pointing up at the king of glory because he is my Lord. He's my savior. And that is what revival is. Uh, Peter, the word of God says in Acts chapter 5 around verse 15 that even Peter's shadow healed the sick. I mean, that's power. But it wasn't because of Peter. We used to sing a song back in the Pentecostal Spanish days, but I still sing it. It goes, no era la sombra, ni tampoco Pedro. Era porque Pedro tenía el Espíritu del Nazareno. So the song says, it wasn't the shadow, and it wasn't Peter. It was that Peter had the spirit of the Nazarene. And when we realize that these men and these women of God, yes, we love them, we honor them. But because they have the spirit of the Lord, because they're trying to do the will of the Lord, I'm telling you, the church will shift. And we start buying more shoes for the poor instead of for the prophets, I promise you something, you're going to start seeing some glory. You will see glory. And I am telling you because I'm I was that person because that's what they taught me. Buy the pastor the suit. Buy the pastor the jacket. Hold the jacket. Swipe the sweat. Give them the cup of water to drink. This, this happens. This is literally happening in churches. It needs to be rebuked and it needs to be taken out because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We've been set free and we, we claim to have Christ, but we're living as slaves to man. We are a family, a brothers and sisters, so we want to, you need help? I'll help you. But it shouldn't be out of interest. Ooh, I want his anointing. So if I rub his feet, maybe I'll catch anointing. I don't believe that. You want my anointing? Come, let's hang out. Come, let's lock in and pray for a week and seek the face of the Lord. You want what I got? Let's go preach in the streets together. Anointing is an ability that God has given you. It's not some spiritual mystical wonder. It goes beyond that. There is a price you pay seeking the face of God. Abigail's anointed to do art. I can't just go, ooh, I'm going to rub her just to get anointed. No, I could hang out with her. I could see how she does things. I could see how God works through her art. And then discover my freedom in art. And not copy her art, but have my own gift in art. He's anointed to sing. I'm not going to like touch the strings of his guitar and magically be like singing the way band sings. 
but I can hear his story. I can walk with him. I can get to know him. And all of a sudden, I can discover my own song. And that, for me, is revival. In dictionary.com, the word revival means restoration to life. Think about this. Revival means to bring back to life. Why are churches preaching, praying for revival? If the church needs revival, then that means the church must be dead. Think about that. Revive us, Lord. Wait, are you dead? Revive us. Maybe you just need to be obedient. Maybe you should pray, Lord, clean my ears. Lord, teach me how to be obedient. Lord, teach me how to hear your voice. But how can God revive that which is alive? For no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. If the same power that raised Christ from the dead is now living in me, then how can I be dead? How can I be dead? I don't need revival. I need obedience. I need to walk in obedience and I will see the manifestation of the glory of God. The la the, it's not the lack of revival. It's your lack of faith. It's your lack of believing what he said. So you're expecting that this, this thing is going to revive you. If you're not praying because it's in your heart to pray, you're not going to pray no matter what happens. A hundred miracles could come by, you're still not going to pray. It's different for the world. These signs are for the world, for them to believe. But when we've been in the house of God, when we've been serving God for 20 years, you think a miracle shouldn't make, you should be praying for miracles for the people out there. And they'll see it, they're like, oh wait, your God does heal. But for us, it should be different. For us that we've been in church all these years, it should be different. It should just be a delight. I just love being in the presence of my dad. I just love singing to God. I'm revived just by singing. I'm I tell people, I was like, this that people practice as tradition, church, three songs, offering, blue. this is what tradition does. Come on a Tuesday, free promo for Tuesday Soaking Glory Nights. We are here on Tuesday night, right? Why can I get a witness for those that came? Let me tell you something, you're going to be like, I melted into the love of God and I am brand new. I'm not playing. I'm not even hyping this up. We don't even promote it that much. We just put an announcement and we keep going. But if you show up, we have people coming from other churches, and I'm like, who are you? Like, and they're like, we heard God's moving. I was like, this is wild. And it's great, and there's freedom. And I feel like that's revival. It's uh, restoration to life. Consciousness, and what was it, vigor? Vigor, right? So before, there can be a pure and genuine move of God in a community or nation. They and don't get me wrong, I believe in the move of God. Trust me, I believe in the move of God. But I don't believe that revival is going to happen in a building. I believe that the revival is going to happen in your bathroom. I believe revival is going to happen in your car. I believe revival is going to happen in your job. I believe while you're going to be shopping, you might get hit with revival. Because it's, it's revival means God's doing something in you. Before Peter went and, and healed with his shadow... He had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Before Paul became a writer of two-thirds of the New Testament, he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. There's an encounter that happens with you and God. It could be in a church meeting. But if it stays in the church meeting, then nothing happened. This has to go with you in the church meeting, at your job, 
at home, in the good times, in the bad times, in the valleys, in the mountains, in the hills, in the desert, in the rivers, wherever you go, in the, no matter the, the, the uh, uh, stages of life you go through, we have our hills and we have our valleys. We have our moments of glory and ocean and victories, and then we have our moments of desert and pain. And in both, God has said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Where you go, I will be there with you. Though you walk through the fire, you will not get burned. Though you walk through deep waters, you're not going to drown. If you stood in the flame, I will be there. That's what the Lord is speaking about. Revival means you're awakened to him. Revival is you're alive with him. No longer I live, but my life is yours and your life is mine. Is an intertwining of you and God becoming merged with God. That's why Peter could do what he could do. It wasn't him like, oh, I'm going to show off. I don't think he even understood exactly what he was doing at times. If you really read, I mean, God never called nobody to kill nobody, you know, but whatever. We're not even going there because that's not the preaching. But it's a restoration of life. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way the truth and the life when your rest when your life is restored with jesus that's revival when you are just in love with him when you are receiving the life from the life when you're not doing life alone but you're doing life with your life partner that's your life partner you know i'm telling you life even the things that were painful become a joy the things that were shame, you tell everybody. You're like, oh my God, let me tell you, I did this one time, and then Jesus met me there, and you're like, we were like, wow, you're just like an open book. The Word of God says we're open letters. When you when you encounter God, you're just like, I need to tell somebody. Many Christians believe that they're waiting. Oh, well, church doesn't let me preach. They don't give me the microphone. You're waiting for the microphone. You got it wrong. You got it wrong. Let me tell you, the microphone should. You know who's, who should get the mic? Those that are preaching out there. If you're living it out there, then you should come here. Because this is to give a witness of what God is doing out there. And when you go out there, it's a witness of what he's doing in you. And people will know because the harvest is going to come. You're going to just be gathering the harvest. People are going to be like, oh, my God, this person is speaking a truth that I've always needed to hear. And if you see, I'm not speaking religion. I was longing for microphones forever. And then it's funny, I was like, forget the mic, forget the churches. I'm in love with you, and I will walk into a club and preach to a drag queen, and I will go in here, and I've done it. I'm not lying. As a matter of fact, I prefer that. I'll, if somebody wants the mic, I'll leave right now. I'm not playing. I will go. Because it's amazing when you see the power of God bringing people to life. When you see life being restored to broken people. When you see those, I've preached to people in the streets, and I see the, it's like, it's almost like, like magic. You literally see a sparkle go bling in their eyes, and I'm like, oh, they woke up. And the, I've met people where they're like, what do you want? By the time I conversation, he's like, oh, my God, it's amazing. It's amazing. And I see, always see the sparkle. I know when it's time to go, when I see the little light go in their eyes, I'm like, see ya. I'm done. The, you're done. You're done. You got caught. You got caught. <laughs> they got caught. I was like, you might not see me here on earth again. I'll be at the table at the wedding. Look for me there, you know? They're like, I'll be there. I'll be there. But somebody looks at you with that smile, I'm like, they'll be there. I'm not saying they're not going to go through hard times. It doesn't mean they're not going to get discouraged. It doesn't mean sometimes they might lose hope and feel weary. But their heart got caught to him. 
That's restoration of life. I remember in October 12, 2002, almost 20 years, was, yeah, that's 20 years ago. Jesus Christ. I re- God, times are going fast. Um, I remember I, I went, I heard, right, of, of like Benny Hinn. I had never been to one of those meetings. And God was like, go, go to one of these meetings. Back in 2002, that was, I ain't, I'm you something. I ain't, I don't even see him do what he did back then. That was wild. So I went, it was in Leyland Carpenter's church. I told my leaders, that way you going? You shouldn't be going over there. I was like, I heard God, I'm going. And I was a youth leader. I didn't go to the church event. I went all the way to Carpenter's church in Lakeland. It was in line forever. That was like, like around the block for miles, cars everywhere, you know. And I'm just like, I don't even know where I'm going, but I feel God's calling me to go. I've never seen the manifestation of God like I did there. Oh, my God, blew my mind, blew my mind. But I was drawn to it. I was drawn to the move of God. I didn't know. I just knew my heart was longing for the move of God. I knew there was more to the glory of God. And, um. And remember what he preached. And this is, this is, you know, when a preaching impacted you so much, when 20 years later you still remember that preaching. I've heard hundreds and hundreds of preaching since then. But that preaching wrecked my heart. He was speaking about a lady called Catherine Coleman and how she was um, divorced. I think she was crying in her car, like, my life is going to be worthless. I can't do the calling of God because now I'm divorced, blah, blah, blah. But she told God something in the car. And that's what touched me. She said, God, if out of nothing you created the universe, then out of the nothing that I am, create something. And I remember I was on the top balcony and I was crying so hard because I was so broken. I thought I had HIV. I knew nobody loved me because I was in the gay life. Everybody that looked at me said, you're created to go to hell. And I was up there, and I closed my eyes, and I believed the words that he said. And I raised my hands to God, and I said, God, if that's the nothing that I am, I give it to you. I give you my nothing. And if out of nothing you created the universe, then out of the nothing that I am, please create something. You know? And I'm t- that night I had a dream with Jesus. He was really big in the sky. He's like, I've been looking for you. <laughs> and I was like, eh. I got so scared from that dream because he was like a giant in the sky. And he's like, we're going to fight. <laughs> and I was just like, it was a, one of the craziest dreams I ever had. And that was in October. That was October 13, 2002. The next day, a revival broke out of my church. We were in the parking lot and everybody in my church fell out in the parking lot as soon as I started speaking. And we went, that was the first time we went into like glory realms and that. Everybody's laid out on the power. Nobody could get out in the parking lot. They're like, and I'm like, what's happening? And I was chasing the people, and they were all running away from me. It was glory. And I was, we didn't even know what was happening. I didn't even know what that was called. I had no idea. I'm like, he said that something was going to happen in my church. <laughs> it started happening. And I went through persecution, criticized, whatever. But out of the nothing that I was, he's created something. Something that people have never seen before. And I'm not ashamed for it. I will never apologize because you see there's a whole generation of people out there that need my story that will encourage them and they're going to run a race you think you've seen revivalists watching the next 20 years you're going to you think you heard of revivalists watch what God is about to raise up and most of them they're in the club right now 
and they're going to have Jesus encounters. Some of them right now are popping pills because they're going through depression. Some of them right now are in adultery and fornication. They're shooting up drugs, and they're about to meet you. And you're about to impart into them life, restoration of life. This is what God is doing in these times. That's who the Lord is. The next one is restoration to consciousness, right? That was the second part. Consciousness means having knowledge and sensitivity. See, I didn't know who the Lord was. I was like Job, of ears I had heard, but now my eyes have seen the glory of God. You know you were raised in church and you thought you knew something, but now when you look back, do you know more? Do you have knowledge of who he is, right? Are you sensitive to his spirit? You could never feel nothing but depression and death or lust, but now you're like, ooh, hoo, hoo. I feel the love of Papa. He could be, I feel him all the time. Sometimes I'm in my car driving all serious and then I just burst out in laughter and I just feel the presence of God come upon me like that. And it's the sensitivity to his spirit, the sensitivity to his voice, knowing something you didn't know and now you know it. And the word of God says in Habakkuk um, 2.14, it says, for the earth will be filled. See, a lot of people's like, oh, revival's coming. But it doesn't say with the, the earth will be, a lot of people say the earth will be filled with the glory of God. No, it's not. That's not what it says. Because even in Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord, he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the glory of the Lord. And he was high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And it says, and the whole earth is full of his glory. The earth is full of his glory right now, and people don't know it. So that's not what's coming. What's coming is not the glory of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is already here. What the book of Habakkuk 2.14 says is, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Just like the waters cover the sea, the glory of God is covering the earth. But we can't see it. But God is opening our eyes and things that we never seen, we about to see. And the things we never heard, we about to hear. And the things we could never perceive, we are about to start perceiving them. And we're going to be like, oh my God, the glory of God. The glory of God is all around me. Watch out. I prophesied that over all of you. It happened to me. And I was like, oh. Now I go everywhere and like, look, the word of God. People are like, how did you just see that? I'm, look, the word of God. I'm like, wait, look it up. Look it up, look it up, and it's a whole sentence. I'm like, God's speaking to you. That's for you right now. They're like, oh, my God, that's exactly what I'm going through. I'm like, I know. Because my father don't waste his time. You think God's going to put signs? No. When God puts signs, it's to make you wonder. It's, that's it. You're going to see the sign. You're going to be like, oh, my God, that is for me. He's not wasting time. He's not playing games. The thing is, we don't have the knowledge. When our hearts get transformed to the heart of a child, you will open the Bible and you're going to read. People are trying to break down. And I, I respect that. I'm not taking away from that because I think there's different levels. But when you get to the level of a child, which is the ultimate level in the kingdom, sorry. <laughs> the ultimate level in the kingdom is not like theology and degrees and certificates. No. It's the opposite. It's the love of a child. When you get to that ultimate level... You're going to open the scripture. You're going to be like, wait, what? Like, this is, this is my story. I'm not even going to say that. I went, I went years ago to Bible college, and now I'm like, why did I even pay them? It was in front of me the whole time. They taught me nothing. <laughs> you know, it was here. They didn't teach me how to see it. And now I read the Bible. I'm like, 
But the beautiful story was in front of me this whole time. It was there the whole time. And I'm like, man, they just got away with that money. So they didn't. I still, I still learned some stuff, I think. <laughs> but the fact, I, I went through 40 years of religion and tradition, and now I'm like, why didn't I know this before? Maybe I wasn't ready, you know? Who knows? But now, I'm like, let's just sit down and read it. There's not, honestly, for me, it's like, you don't even have to explain it. You read it for what it says, and you're like, whoa. The thing is, we're not reading as a child. If our spirit ears are open, our spirit eyes are open, you're going to be like, the kingdom. I always use this one because it's just so basic. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who threw a wedding for his son. He sent out his messengers throughout the earth. And those that were supposed to be his people rejected the invitation. So he said, go out to the highways and byways and compel them to come. So the ones that were originally not thinking that they were part of that wedding ended up being the ones part of the wedding. And the ones that thought were part of the kingdom ended up missing the kingdom. And if I need to explain that to you, then you maybe you're not getting it. But the reality is a lot of us are saying we're part of the kingdom of God, but we're not doing what God is calling us to do. We don't want to be intimate with the Lord. The Lord is inviting us to spend time with him, but we're so busy with our daily living. Okay? But there's people out there, prostitutes and addicts and homosexuals and all type of sort of people and immigrants that are waiting for an open door. And even with their brokenness, they're going to be like, can I come just like this? Just come. Because the Lord's prepared a garment for you. And the ones that you thought were not going to make it are probably going to be the ones entering. And the ones that you thought might make it might be missing it. Because they think it's about them. It's always about him. I'm telling you. And in the next few years, you're going to start hearing testimonies left and right of people that were in the streets and all of a sudden became preachers and teachers. And people are going to be like, wait, but I went to Bible school all these years. I've had believers get mad at me. Even when I was in Bible school, well, why is God using you and not me? And I'm like, because of that attitude. <laughs> because on the outside, it seems holy and pure. But in the heart, your hearts are far from God. And it happened in Jesus' times and it's still happening. So we just got to be like, Lord, Papa. And this is revival. The last one is restoration to, this word, vigor? Vigor. Vigor means straight to endure. You're able to endure. Those that endure till the end shall obtain the crown of life. Force of healthy growth. When there's revival, you're just flourishing. The Bible says, um, the justice like a palm tree, right? In Spanish, justo florecerá como la palmera. So the just will flourish. The just will flourish like a palm tree. And who's the just? He who lives by faith. It's not he who lives by his actions. It's he who lives by faith. Faith in what? And faith in who? Faith in God. Faith in God, that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than you can think or ask. That's it. It's all your trust in him. And all of a sudden, you're flourishing and growing. People are like, wait, why is he growing? Faith, faith. <laughs> you know, you're just, I depend on him. You depend on, it's like a child. You could have five kids, right? But who gets your lap? Isn't it the one that's always running? Dad. And they just jump on there. The, one, the parents love all their kids, but the one kid that's always just going and going and being on there is constantly getting this, more, this specific attention, right? Because even if you're a teacher, there's these, you, you love all your students, but there might be this one kid that's like, teacher, I love you. Here, I drew a picture of you, right? And it's something so amazing when you have that, you're like, oh, this one is just like connected to me. So there's special quality time. And if the rest take special quality time as well, then guess what? You'll find out that there's a seat and there's a place available for you as well. 
It means passion. It means effectiveness. It means to flourish, intensity, saturation. That's revival. Revival, I believe, I believe, I believe revival is going to break out here. Right? I do believe it. I believe, I believe something is like, um, is like in the pot and it's being cooked. And something's about to just explode. Right? But I don't believe it's the building. I believe it's you. I believe you are the carrier of revival for you are the church. You are the carrier of the promises of God. You are the carrier of the presence of God. If Peter healed with his shadow, it's because he was carrying something. If Ezekiel was able to prophesy over dry bones, it's because he was carrying something. If Jeremiah said, it's like a fire shut up in my bones, I can't be silent. It's because they're carrying something. If Paul said in the book of Acts 4.20, I think, or 4.21, well, he says, and I always tell people, he wasn't, I don't see him trying to prove himself well, but we will not be silent of the thing. We will not be quiet of the things that we've seen and the things that we heard. No, I don't think he was trying to prove anything. I think he was very innocent and pure about it. Like, we cannot, we cannot stop speaking about the things that we've seen and the things that we've heard. We cannot. I mean, I'm trying right now, and I can't stop. You have to just grab the microphone and take it away from me, and I'm going to go home, and I'm going to meet somebody on the street, and I'm going to keep talking. And if this person gets tired of me talking, I'm just going to go to the next person, and I'm going to keep talking because the word of the Lord says that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when your heart is overflowing with the glory of God, you cannot, I promise you, you're going to try to be silent, and you're going to be like, I'm going to look for an excuse to talk to somebody about Jesus. And it's not to convert them. It's not because you're afraid that they're going to burn in hell. It's because you're a carrier of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you realize, oh, my God, there's so much faith. Every time I open my mouth, I see faith coming out. And then it infiltrates into the people's ears. Faith, coming, faith comes through hearing, hearing the word of God. Faith comes through hearing, hearing the word of God. But who is speaking the word of God? Even in Isaiah, who shall go? Whom shall I send? The eyes of God are looking throughout the earth for someone. For someone that will say, Lord, here I am. I will go. And I don't think, I know in the past they've done it out of religious duty. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, what if you do it out of love? What if you went and told the world because you know that God is good? Because you know that God met you. Because you know that you were supposed to be dead. Because you know you were hopeless. Because you know you were going to commit suicide that year. Because you know your mom was sick with cancer. And you saw how he healed her. What if you just went out of love? What would that look like? You know what that looks like? Revival. It's funny because it's the same message. But it's with the understanding and with the knowledge of who he is. And of who we are. We are the ambassadors of Christ and we don't go in fear what if we go out in perfect love if the church was to go out in perfect love and speak more about heaven than hell I believe in hell but I don't want people repenting because they're afraid of hell I want people repenting because they fall in love with Jesus let me tell those can't they're not even going to try they're going to be like oh my god this is awesome and this is like you it that's how it happened to me for years, I was afraid of hell. Oh my God, I don't want to burn. I'm gonna, and then the love of God hit me at full force. And my life has been changed. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa Campus. 
We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.